Hey everyone, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best place on the internet to follow the world of men's professional volleyball. Today we have a fun one. We're going to do a bit of news first, catch up with this week's Champions League games and Italian League games. And then I'm going to talk about the top 25 teams in volleyball. And that's not just club teams, not just national teams. We're going to mix and match. We're going to compare club teams to national teams. We're going to analyze the players, analyze the chemistry, and see which teams come out on top in my totally subjective rankings that I'm going to tell you guys here. Last podcast of 2020, a very, very interesting and challenging year for all of us. But I hope you guys enjoy this last 5-1 Volleyball show to end the year. All right, a quick plug before we get into the news. I'm doing a new series on YouTube where I watch a match right now, usually in the Italian league. And I kind of do like a commentary slash analysis slash just talking about the players and the teams and condensing it a bit so it's not like the full hour and a half, usually 20 to 30 minutes. So if you're a fan of this podcast, I'm very sure you'll be a fan of these YouTube videos. It's basically just me as a podcast over watching uh, volleyball footage, volleyball games. So check out my YouTube channel, 5-1 Volleyball. I'm sure a good portion of you guys are already subscribed, but if you're not, I recommend you check that out because it's like a new kind of piece of content that I'm pretty sure you guys will enjoy. Anyway, let's get started with our news. A couple juicy ones here this week. Matt Anderson might not be going to China. We don't know. It's not confirmed yet, but there's a couple rumors about Matt Anderson potentially. I mean, he's, his name's been thrown around everywhere. Maybe going to Zenit St. Petersburg, but maybe Zenit St. Petersburg isn't paying their players right now. He might be going to Zenit Kazan to replace Ervin Engebet, who we'll get to in a sec. I mean, he might still be going to China, and maybe he's not going anywhere. Maybe he's just he has a young kid at home. Maybe he'll just enjoy the rest of the year and uh, kick ass at the Olympics. I don't know. Matt Anderson, no one knows really what he's going to do because the original plan and the contract that I thought he signed a while ago was going to play in China uh, in their kind of short league this year originally they weren't going to allow foreigners but recently they are apparently Marouf the Iranian setter is already on his way there so yeah we're not sure about Matt Anderson I mean it's crazy that we have like one of the best players in our entire sport and potentially he might not even play this year and we have no idea where he's playing and it's it's almost 2021 but definitely something to uh, keep your eye on especially if you're an American fan honestly if you're an American fan like I wouldn't want him sitting at home, to be honest. I mean, it's great to spend time with your family, and that's really important. But, I mean, the Olympics are pretty close. And, and if America wants to medal the Olympics, they're definitely going to need Matt Anderson. So hopefully he can join some sort of competitive volleyball program uh, in the near term. And the other one that I referenced earlier was Irvin Engapet, who apparently left his club team, Zenit Kazan, without any warning, feuding with coach Vladimir Lekno, and returned to, I believe it was Berlin, without authorization so on the one hand a uh, traveling on your own with no oversight is a little dicey right now with uh, all the pandemic stuff going on and also doing it you know during the season without team authorization is you know it's a bit of a no-no in the world of professional sports where i guess for the benefit of being able to play a sport as your full-time job you are subject to a lot more I guess, restrictions on your life outside of your job, which 
I don't think Angapet really uh, agrees with that. I think he was probably going to see someone from his hometown, someone from France, family. Who knows? Don't want to speculate too much. But it must have been pretty bad because I know Zenek is on. I know uh, their club runs a very tight ship over there. It's an extremely professional organization that uh, doesn't really leave too much up to chance or approach anything in an amateur way. So, I mean, Angapet, he's obviously been embroiled in these kinds of controversies before. And we'll see. I mean, it's still a couple days before we know. Apparently, he might be returning on the 20th of December back to Russia and potentially needing to quarantine. I'm not exactly sure, but we'll see with Irvin Angapet. I mean, it's a bit of a blow to Zeneca's on. It's not, it's not like they're going to miss the playoffs or anything, and he's not going during Champions League, so that's not a factor. But just the fact that he's kind of um, defies the club's wishes and goes back, you know, takes a flight and just leaves without without letting anyone know. I don't know. It'll be interesting for Zeneca's on because, I mean, we'll see later, but I have them ranked very highly in the world. I think they're a, a very good shot at winning the Champions League this year. I think they have a fantastic team. I think everything after kind of the disappointment of last year i think they've been firing all cylinders so it would be unfortunate for them and for zenit kazan fans if it was kind of just blown up because uh irvin angapet was tired of being in russia and i mean it's funny because we saw this before he he the last time he was in russia in kamarovo he just left kind of in the middle of the season so i'm hoping for the sake of competitive volleyball that that doesn't happen again In the Italian league, we had a couple of interesting games. Trentino, we're finally seeing the Trentino that we thought we would see at the beginning of the season that had this incredibly stacked lineup at every position, beating Lube Civitanova 3-0. Yeah, that's right. Lube Civitanova, second place team in the entire Super League, losing 3-0 to Trentino. And I think, I mean, this is going to be one of the keys going forward, but... Alessandro Micheletto, I think, needs to start the rest of the season over Dick Coy. I think right now he's a bit more of what Trentino needs. He's a big blocker, big guy, probably a bit better of a receiver than Dick Coy as well. And, I mean, his attacking gets better every single game. The serving's still not quite maybe at the level of Dick Coy, but, man, everything else is very close. And by the time the playoffs roll around, like, Micheletto could be even better and he it's just ridiculous how much he's improving um, even since the start of the season and, and last summer. So I think Micheletto will be the starter in Trentino going forward. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's amazing. And it's, first of all, it's a great for the Italian national team too, where they've been kind of struggling to find outside hitters the last few years. There's a couple of promising guys, but no one that really stood out. And, and Micheletto looks like he could be, could be that guy. And it also goes to show that you know, you don't need to force domestic Italian players into the starting lineups in a competitive league like in Italy. Like, if the Italian players are good enough, if the young Italian guys are good enough, they will start, they will play, they will get playing time. Like, look, Micheletto's getting playing time on a super competitive Trentino team, like a team that has title aspirations in the Italian Super League at a very young age. And they didn't need to restrict the foreigner limit to one or two or, or even three to get him on the court. It's a four-player foreigner limit, and he's, you know, he's getting playing time. He's getting court time as an outside hitter, which is traditionally one of the harder positions to break into as an Italian in the Super League. You can tell I really don't like the argument that leagues make that they need to restrict the number of foreign players in order to help produce more domestic talent. Like to me, to me, it doesn't make any sense because, okay, let's say in the Italian league, even though there's only three spots for Italians per team, 
that's still 36 spots for Italians throughout the entire league. There's not 36 Italian players in the entire national team program. If a player is good for good enough for the national team program, they're good enough to play on the court in an Italian Super League game. And the other point against that idea is that in volleyball, they only play once or twice a week. 80% of your playing time and in, in t- ball touches in volleyball is going to be in practice. So even if players aren't seeing the court in games, they're still getting a ton of reps as a practice player. And this doesn't just apply to uh, Italy. It applies to all the leagues. I think the foreigner limits are the, are the silliest, silliest rule ever. Not sure if it comes from football, but yeah, especially as a North American, it just it, it seems like an absurd concept, and I still really don't see the arguments against it. Anyway, enough of that rant. So Trentino beating Lubechi of Denova 3-0. We also had Modena beating Ravenna 3-0, which is it's sad to see because Ravenna, they've had so many good moments throughout the season, but I feel like they're starting to lose a bit of momentum, getting a bit discouraged here. Eric Lepke playing very well, though. Yeah, probably their leading player. Took him a, a few weeks, a few months maybe, to get acclimatized in the Italian Super League, but now definitely leading the way for Ravenna, although... I don't know how much that says when you're leading a team that's near the bottom of the standings in the league. Busy week for Modena, beating Ravenna and then going to Champions League and winning 3-0. Two pretty convincing wins in Champions League against Versava and Kemerovo. No Kobzar for Kemerovo, which is obviously a huge blow to them to lose a setter like that. But they still have the issue this year, which I thought they were going to have before the season. And that's that they're just relying too much on Ivan Zaitsev. I mean, pretty much every ball that wasn't perfect that they couldn't set to the middles was going to Zaitsev. And, and Kemerovo is still an incredibly strong blocking team, still a pretty good serving team. But when your offense is essentially one guy, and it's not like you have the best reception either, it's going to be really tough. And, and I think you saw that this weekend. Yeah, it's looking after that 3-0 loss to Warsaw and the 3-0 loss to Modena. Kamarovo probably not making the playoffs this year in Champions League. Warsaw looked all right. Maybe not as good as the top predictions. Maybe a little underperforming based on where I had them in earlier in the season. I think Angel Trinidad is still not playing up to his full potential. But Bartosz Folek looked pretty good this weekend. They rolled with Igor Grobelny and Arthur Schalpuk. Those two kind of switching out depending on what was needed. Which is crazy. I wouldn't have thought Grobelny and, uh, would have played ever over Arthur Schalpuk. And that would have been crazy to say two years ago, but now uh, now Schalpuk isn't quite the same player as he used to be, as I've mentioned before on the podcast. And then a really fun one, the last game, Modena beating Nak Ruzulare 3-2-2, which is, is weird to think because Ruzulare, definitely weaker than all, they've been in the last like three or four years. They only had one foreigner on the field against Modena, which is George Human, the gigantic American middle blocker from Princeton, who I think will definitely get some national team looks in the future. I believe he was on a few rosters for VNL already. But yeah, the rest of the team, I mean, it's it's mainly just kind of B-tier Belgian guys. I mean, Stein Dulst, Hendrik Tuerlinks, Peter Kuhlman, great name. But one player I did actually really like on Rusolare was Matthijs Desmet, who's kind of a local talent produced in Rusolare. Born in the year 2000, so quite a young guy, and was looking pretty good against Modena. Was really smart about attacking hands. That was definitely Ruzolari's strategy throughout the entire game. They knew they could not break that Modena block and go around it and, and, and hit against that defense. That includes like Rabenikov and Michael Christensen. 
But they knew maybe if they uh, got enough tools and played smartly enough, they could score. And that's what happened in the first two sets, which they won. Yeah, anyway, Matthijs Desmet looking pretty good. Could definitely be a part of the future for the Belgian national team, I think. And it's too bad. I kind of wanted Ruslara to win that game. It was pretty exciting stuff. Modena showed they were definitely the better team in the fifth set. And I would say adapted a bit. They even were like dropping their hands because they knew Ruslara were just going for tools. And Michael Christensen, man, like he made Daniele Lavia look like a star out there. Like he was getting him so many single blocks during that game. It was ridiculous. And yeah, Michael Christensen, I mean, he's, he's still the best setter in the world. And he made Modena's reception look a lot better than it was too because he took so many balls that a lot of setters wouldn't be able to set that were like really tight on the net and still were, was able to play like a really fast tempo, effective ball. So Champions League is done for a few weeks here, starting back up at the end of January where we're going to have the second round of tournaments. Probably going to do like a preview podcast for the second round of tournaments as well because I love Champions League. It's just so fun to watch all the teams from the different leagues in Europe play each other in the tournament format in the second round of tournaments. I think will be super exciting kind of seeing which teams need like one more win to break through and tracking that throughout the last couple tournaments. It'll be good stuff. Anyway, so let's go move on to what the title of this podcast is going to be. And that's the top 25 teams in volleyball. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's not just clubs, it's not just national teams. I'm going to mix both. It's hard to compare. I know. Coaching is different. Play styles are different when you're playing club versus national team. The schedules are different. Sometimes national team, you're playing like 10 matches in two weeks. So the level of play isn't quite as high. But I'm going to try my best here. Try and try and justify everything. And I'm interested to hear. I really want to hear uh, what you guys think. Because I'm sure some of you will be like, well, obviously, like, national teams are way stronger than clubs overall. And another portion of you will be like, well, clubs bring the best players from every national team into one team. So, obviously, they're better, but we'll see. So, I'm going to do it like this. I'm going to start at 25 and work my way down. Tease you guys a bit here. And the 25th team, first up on this list, the Slovenian national team. Some good players on there, a very good result, second place. Eurovolley 2019 beating Poland and Russia on the way to the final, which I feel like is still not talked about enough how ridiculous that run was by Slovenia in Eurovolley 2019. One of the craziest like tournament runs we've ever seen in volleyball. But anyway, Teen Aaron out, Clemence Bulge, Tonchek Stern, Jan Kozimernik, Dejan Vicic. Like, they've got solid players at every position. They're really tall, really strong attacking and blocking team. Serving reception a little weaker, but... I'm really glad they're going to be able to join Nations League this year because I think they'll, they'll shock a few teams here. Number 24, I have Kuzbas Kemerova, which I know I just spent a lot of time uh, making fun of, but still at full health with Kobzar and Zaitsev, two very high-level national team players. And with Sherbinin and Peter Krizmanovic in the middle, that's an insane like blocking middle lineup. And Krizmanovic, I mean, he's like, one of the leading scorers in the Russian league somehow. He's having an insane year, which has gone totally under the radar, I feel, because anything in Russia is usually going to go a bit more under the radar. But yeah, just the defense, the blocking of the team. Probably one of the best blocking teams in volleyball. And when you have that block, plus Kobzar, plus Zaitsev dishing it out on the right side, then it's going to be a pretty legit team. They definitely missed Lori Kerminen. I mean, if this, if Lori Kerminen was on this team with the rest of them, they would definitely be like five or six spots higher, but unfortunately not able to hold on to the finished libero. Number 23, I have a team 
that I watched a couple times this week if you want to check out my YouTube videos commentating them. But Piacenza, on paper, like pretty talented group of players. And they've only gotten better since the season gone, has gone on. Your Grozier, Aaron Russell, Trevor Cleveno, And they've added Michele Barnovich and Sayed Musavi since the season started, which has only made them stronger. So, you know, solid national team guys at every position, plus a couple truly elite guys in your Grozier and Aaron Russell. I mean, at the beginning of the season, they had an awful start firing their coach before the season even started, but they're definitely picking up momentum, and I could see them giving teams a real tough time, even at the top of the standings in the playoffs. Number 22, though, I have an Italian team that I think is slightly better that's also kind of playing very well right now, and that's Milano with Steven Marr and Yuki Ishikawa, like one of the best outside pairings right now. Both guys are on fire, especially Steven Marr has looked incredible the last few weeks i mean let's see if he can keep it up but it could be the sign of him like you know taking that next step into kind of the top 20 15 20 outside hitter level which is you know to me i'm a huge fan of mar but even i didn't expect him to get to that level and then guys like kajamernik as we mentioned from the slovenian national team jean patry from the french national team ricardo spertoli very good setter nicola pesaresi pretty solid italian libero so yeah, just a solid team overall. And like how I do this ranking. Let's okay, so let's compare them to Slovenia, for example. Okay, so Milano actually they share a couple of players. Tina are now it's both on Milano and on Slovenia. Jan Kozamernik as well. Jean Patry, better than Tonchek Stern or Micha Gasparini, whichever one you want to compare him to. Steven Marr, better than Clemence Bulge. Yuki Ishikawa would also probably start on the Slovenian national team. Ricardo Spertoli, Dejan Vincic, probably close to a wash. And then probably Slovenia has the advantage at Libero with Yanni Kovacic over Nikola Pesaresi, but it's pretty close. So as you can see, like Milano being a club team has better players at a lot of positions than Slovenia. And that's why I have them a few spots higher than a pretty strong national team. At number 21, I have Sada Cruzeiro, the second place Brazilian team, Thomas Lopez, the Cuban outside hitter slash opposite that caught fire this year after Everett from Volleyball Source filmed some monster highlights of him at the Norseka Championships where, you know, it was just unbelievable, to be honest, how, how high he was jumping and how hard he was hitting. It's only about 6'3", but he, he absolutely bombs the ball both in attacking and serving. And, you know, Sada Cruzero was good. I mean, Taylor Sander and Gord Perrin have played that role the last couple of years, so it goes to show how much they uh, trust in a guy like Thomas Lopez, who maybe some of you don't don't even know about. And then also Facuto Conte. And then it was kind of like a few B-tier Brazilian national team players, which is still are still really good, like Cachopa, uh, Alan Souza, and Isaac Santos. But I think Modena's a little bit better than Sada Cruzeiro. It's close. This is this is a tough area to pick just because they have Grubenikov and Michael Christensen. Two really elite players at their position. I don't think Sada Cruzeiro really has the equivalent. None of their players are arguably top 10 at their position. And also Stankovic, Lavia, and Mazzoni are also having fairly good seasons. But definitely Christensen and Grabenikov take Modena to the next level. I mean, this is definitely... Modena might have been the number one team last year, arguably. But yeah, so they've definitely dropped. But still, because of those two players, top 20. Number 19, I have... The Iranian national team, which some of you may think is too low. You know, some people think they're one of the top national teams in the world, and some probably some of you think it's too high, uh, considering that I do not have Japan on this list, and probably some of you do think Japan is better. Not me, though. 
I think Iran's better. They still have Marouf, who, despite some of his shortcomings, is really, really, really good at what he does in his best games. He might be the best setter in the world. Incredible hands. I mean, Iran has like this inc- entire movement of youth players that's going to come up and be really dangerous going forward. They still have Milad Abadapur, who I think is one of the top outside hitters in the world, top 15 probably. They have Amir Gafour, who was playing for Lube Chivitanova last year. I think the libero Hazratpour is already like a good libero on the international stage. They still have Javad Manavi, even though I don't really know what's happened to him. They have Morteza Sharifi. They have Izmir Fandiar. So they have a lot of options for the second outside hitter. I mean, it's too bad that Marouf and Musavi aren't a little younger to be more in line with the rest of these like really talented uh, wing hitters for Iran. But still, given how good Iranian players have been when they've been playing on top-level club teams, I think it's fair to put them at number 19. Number 18, I have Skrabelchatov from Poland, which they haven't been having the greatest season. I mean, if you just rank them based on their Liga performance, they definitely shouldn't even be on this list. But I think with Taylor Sander coming back into the mix, played his first game a couple weeks ago, they have a pretty talented team. I mean, Taylor Sander, Carl Kloch, Matej Biniak as one of the best middles in the world. Gregor Zlomaj, a very talented Polish setter. I think they're going to be dangerous. I think they're definitely still Champions League and Plus Liga contenders. And it's kind of like the situation with Modena. Like maybe their mid-level talent and low-level talent isn't the greatest. But considering they have Matej Bienik and Taylor Sander, who are both top 10 players at the position, that's something that adds a ton of value to their team and not a lot of teams around this area have. Another team that's underperforming in their domestic league, especially recently, number 17, Zenit St. Petersburg. Definitely in my, at least in my previews, in my predictions for the upcoming season, I had them ranked extremely highly. It was really high on Zenit St. Petersburg. They went out and spent a ton of money this year especially getting Igor Kliuka, Russian outside hitter, over from Fekel Novi Uruguay. took a lot of money to convince him to leave the club that he was with like forever. They also brought in Antoine Brizard, who's, I mean, was probably one of the most sought-after players last summer as well, and also bringing in another Russian powerhouse from Kemerovo, the opposite Viktor Politaev. However, they haven't really like gelled together so far, and granted, there have been a lot of injury issues, especially recently with uh, Igor Kliuka being out. But the games I've watched have not been convincing. They do seriously struggle in reception, which kind of makes sense given the uh, construction of their roster with Oriol Cameo and Igor Kliuka, both being maybe not the best passers and, and really just big, heavy swinging outside hitters. So they're definitely a really talented team on paper. And if you're just going by that, they'll probably be 10 spots higher almost on this list. But given that in practice, the actual construction of the team doesn't really make that much sense. Uh, that's why I have them so low at 17. At number 16, I have the Argentinian national team. So another national team in here. And they're, they're kind of a tricky one to pick because they're kind of like Iran in a way. Sometimes they look really good and sometimes they look terrible. But I decided to put them fairly high here because of setter Luciano De Checo, Facundo Conte. Dicheco, definitely one of the top setters in the world right now. Conte having a great season inside of Cruzeiro. Again, like Iran, they kind of have this big group of youth players coming through. Luciano Polanski, Augustin Loser, Jan Martinez, Mateus Sanchez. So they have some interesting choices as well on who they're going to pick. They still have Sebastian Soleil, Pablo Crer. Opposite is a bit of a weakness, which their best option right now probably being Bruno Lima. 
Which is strange because usually opposite tends to be the easiest position to find good players in. But for a lot of the national teams, opposite is actually their weaknesses. I'll, I'll go over maybe when we get later on in the list. I think it's because so many good opposites, I guess, come from smaller countries. There's good opposites from Hungary. There's good opposites from Belarus. There's good opposites from Australia. There's like five good opposites on Serbia. Argentina would probably take any of them. So... Yeah, I guess just the opposite talent is very strangely distributed over different countries. At number 15, I do have to put Canada here. And I know Argentina just very recently last year beat Canada at the Olympic qualification. However, I do think overall Canada is probably more talented position for position. And I think has done a better job at beating stronger teams in high-level national team competition. Again, they have a few players that are like among the top of their positions, Graham Vigras, Gord Perrin, and Blair Ban. And one of the reasons why I also have them pretty high is because of Stephen Marr just like playing out of his mind. So maybe if Stephen Marr regresses to how he played kind of maybe last summer, then he Canada wouldn't be this high. But if he's playing like he is on Milano right now, then Canada is going to be really tough, really tough to handle with two kind of top tier outside hitters. Plus a couple, you know, Graham Vigras and then Lucas Van Berkel or Arthur Schwartz, whichever one they decide to go with with the second middle. And again, here we go. Like, again, opposite is a bit of a question mark for Canada as well. There's a few options. I mean, a couple of years ago, we said Shawan Vernon Evans for sure would be like definitely the number one starter. And I still think he will be. But it is a bit worrisome that he didn't manage to start a bunch of games for Perugia while Alexander Tanasevich was out. And if TJ Sanders was still healthy and playing his top-level volleyball, I'd, I'd probably have them even higher, to be honest. But given that, I know, and I like Jay Blank now and Brett Walsh. Both are really solid setters. But if you look at the the setters of the last few teams that we talked about, Antoine Brizards in St. Petersburg, Maruf on Iran, Michael Christensen on Modena, Kachopa on Santa Cruzero. Yeah, so... Brett Walsh, Jay Blankenau, really good, but maybe not at that level. The only guy probably they compare it to is Gregor's Lomash. But I think the rest of Canadian talent, especially I think like Blair Bann and Graham Vigras, I mean, are criminally underrated players. They're probably both top five in their respective positions. Will Canada win an Olympic medal? I don't think so. But would they beat Argentina and Zenit St. Petersburg and Scrub Elchatov six times out of ten? Yeah, I would say so. At number 14, I have another... Maybe underperforming Russian team, depending on what you consider. Dynamo Moscow, undefeated actually in the Russian league until recently, but failed to qualify for the Champions League fourth round, which is a shame because, yeah, they're, in my estimation, the 14th best team in the world, and they're not in Champions League. So that sucks. But they did go up against a red hot Trentino squad, <laughs> went up against the low ceilings in the world, in the words of Sam Daru. But Dynamo Moscow is definitely a pretty stacked roster this year. Sam Daru, Svetin Sokolov, Lori Kermanen, all elite players at their positions. Pavel Pankov, as I put, as the MVP of the Russian League so far, doing an insane job distributing the ball. All the players on Moscow are hitting insanely high percentages. Vadim Lakosherstov, who wasn't really on my radar until pretty recently. I mean, definitely an impressive player. Obviously, being like 7-2 helps a lot, but he's surprisingly mobile for his size, and then Ilya Vlasov as well. So top to bottom, very strong team for Dynamo Moscow. And again, it's sad that they're not in Champions League because I think they could have potentially won a medal. Number 13, I have Zaksa Kozhin Kozhul, another elite club team, absolutely demolishing 
the Polish league. And, you know, I think on paper, probably Moscow is the better team, like position for position. But Zaxa just works so well as a team. Every player is always ready to attack. Benjamin Taniyuti distributes the ball so well. You never know where each attack is coming from. Nikola Gerbic doing a very good job of coaching the team. And I mean, they're still really talented. Ben Taniyuti, Kuba Kohanovsky, David Smith, Pavel Satorsky, criminally underrated player who doesn't get attention because he's not on the Polish national team. But Kamil Semenyuk is one of the best outside hitters in the Polish league this year. So yeah, very talented roster, but maybe not on paper. But when you see them in action, it's clear. Like their defense is incredible. They're so smart in their attacks. Maybe they could have upgraded at the opposite position, but when Lukas Kaczmarek plays well, he, he, he's a pretty good threat as well. Number 12, I have the French national team who qualified for the Olympics back in January, beating Germany in Berlin. I mean, they have the main man, Irvin Engapet. They have Kevin LaRue, Bartholomew Chininez, Nicolas Lagoff, Julian Liniel, Kevin Tilly, Yassine Luati, Trevor Cleveno, Jenny Grabenikov, Antoine Brizard. Stephen Boyer, Jean Patrice. So out of any of the teams on this list, like this is maybe the deepest team they have that we've talked about so far. They have legit like two, sometimes three, sometimes four good players at every position. The the level of the developments they have in like the French youth programs is absolutely insane. It's a shame they don't have a stronger uh French domestic league there. But yeah, France is really good, but I guess the reason I didn't have them maybe even a bit higher is because you never know what the best lineup is with France, which, I don't know, I feel like if you're going to be in the top 10, you need to have a really clear starting lineup full of elite players that are just head and shoulders above the rest. And while, other than Irvin Engapet, I don't know if there's a single player on France who I would guarantee a spot in the starting lineup. I mean, the middles, it could be any combination of those three at the Olympics, Goff, uh, Chininez, and LaRue. Opposite, it could be easily be Boyer or Patrie. Outside hitters, it could be like five or six different guys. I didn't even mention Thibaut Rossard earlier, who's one of the leading scorers of the Italian league. And I, oh yeah, of course, Grabenikov. So Grabenikov, Engapet, and the rest like Tony Udi Brizard. I don't know. Brizard was starting in really important games in the Olympic qualifiers. So we'll see what happens with France. Tough coaching decision, as we'll probably get into when we get uh, closer to the Olympics. And number 11, I have the Brazilian league leading Tabate which is essentially just like an extension of the Brazilian national team doing very well in Brazil right now, especially with Bruno Rezende, one of the top setters in the world, joining the club. They also have Doug Souza and Mauricio Borges as the outside hitters. Mauricio Souza, Lucas Sackcamp as the middles. Thales Haas as the libero. And I guess they're just missing uh, starting national team opposite. I mean, Philippe Rock's doing very well though, and he'll, I'm sure he'll be a big feature on the brazilian national team in the future but yeah and not even any foreigners on their team so if they had a top level foreign opposite i mean they'd pretty easily be in the top 10 in my opinion like they're not even really that much worse than the brazilian national team they're just missing wallace and, and lucarelli and then basically it's essentially the same team all right top 10 here we go is your club gonna make it is your country gonna make it let's see number 10 italy a fantastic team, except for one gigantic question mark, and that is the second outside hitter. I mean, the rest of the team, though. Gianelli, Juan Torreira, Zaitsev, Kalachi, four, like, absolutely A-level guys. And, th and three of them are A+. Plus Anzani, Piano, 
in the middle as well, still both playing at a very high level. Maybe Mazzone, you could put that put in there as well in the discussion. But yeah, again, the second outside hitter, they, I mean, who are they going to put there, really? Oh, like Antonov, probably not. Filippo Lanza didn't even crack the roster for Perugia this year. Daniele Lavia is probably one of the hopes right now. Alessandro Micheletto, a few years away, probably from starting at the national team level. Whew, so yeah, interesting question. The second outside hitter for Italy, if they had that squared away and they had a really solid option there, probably be higher, jump a couple teams on this list. But as good as the rest of the players are, outside hit is just such an important position and it can be picked on so much that I don't feel comfortable putting them any higher. But I mean, 10 still really good. Number nine, we have the Eurovolley 2019 champions, Serbia. On paper, crazy stacked team. Kovacevic, Ivovic, Atanasevic, Lizanac, Podrushanin. And then at that point, with those kinds of players, like who even cares about the libero and setter? And I mean, yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's why they're not as good in practice as they are on paper because Nikola Jovovic, I mean, just looking at this list, I think he's the worst setter out of any team on this list. And this team is still, for me, ranked ninth just because of how good their middles and wings are, which is a shame because Serbia has like a pretty good tradition of high-level setters, Nikola Gurbic, and then on the women's side, like Maja Ognenovic. So... It's a bit surprising that a really high-level setter hasn't emerged for Serbia, and it's too bad that there wasn't one that lined up with this other golden generation of players because I think if they had like a top-tier setter, this team probably would have swept most of the second half of the decade. Number eight, Trentino. Ooh, it's a little high for a team that's barely in the playoffs in the Italian league, but I do think Trentino is starting to figure it out, and once they do figure it out, it's going to be ridiculous because they are just as good... I think, on paper, as Perugia and Lube Civitanova. Lucarelli's starting to turn the corner, hit 73% in his last game. Namir Abdelaziz is doing insane things, like with setting for uh, Trentino for a while, dishing out almost an ace per set, leading the uh, Italian league in efficiency among wing hitters and scoring a lot of points per set. And, of course, the two middles, same middles as Serbia, Lizanac and Podrushanin, and instead of Jovovic setting them, it's Simone Gianelli. So I think, yeah, this top eight teams, is, is a, they're all of super high level. And I think Trentino deserves to be in this group. Of course, like the Italian national team, the big question being the second outside hitter, Dick Coy, Alessandro Micheletto. But again, both are not ideal when you're talking about the best possible teams on the planet. And that's why I don't have Trentino quite as high as some of the other top level clubs in volleyball, which you can, there's not that many left. So you can probably guess uh, who they are. At number seven, I have the Brazilian national team, the Olympic reigning champions, the world championship runners-up in 2018. So there's a reason why they're ranked number one on the FIPB rankings right now. They've had a really good run the last 10 years, but I do think their complete dominance is probably going to start to fade a little bit coming up here. I mean, they're still a ridiculously good team with Wallace, Lucarelli, Bruno, Lucas Sackcamp. But this kind of generation of players is starting to get a bit older. Probably one of the teams that would not have wanted to have the Olympics delayed from 2020 to 2021 because those guys are in their 30s, starting to lose a bit of foot speed, starting to lose a bit of vertical. And that is probably going to start to show sooner rather than later. I mean, the ridiculous defensive team, super intelligent, really smart attackers, really fast-paced offense that Bruno's going to run no matter who's on his team. But other than Luke Corelli, 
they don't really have like a superstar younger guy that's come in to fill the gaps left by the older generation of players. And I think that's going to start to hurt them pretty soon going forward. Number six, I have the Russian national team. And just like the French national team, this team is deep. They go two deep, three deep at every position. I Means starting setter, Butko or Kobzar, opposite Mikhailov and Politaev. Outside hitters, Igor Klyuka, Dmitry Volkov. Middle blockers with Mazursky, Volvich, Yakovlev, Vlasov, Kirkaev. So tons of really strong middle blockers. And yeah, I said earlier, Kamarovo is one of the strongest blocking teams on this list, but I think... I think Russia is the strongest blocking team. I mean, pretty much their entire team is like 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", and over. Even their outside hitters, they're all really athletic too. Like great verticals for every single player on, on their block uh, jumps. Really disciplined blockers, really strong hands, strong fingers. And you can see that. I mean, they've won two VNLs in a row. And I know people don't like to count the VNL wins as legitimate, but VNL is a hard tournament to win. A l maybe not every team, but a lot of the best teams in the world are sending their best lineups. So winning VNL is not a small thing, and the prize money does matter to the national federations. The bragging rights do matter to the national federations. Winning VNL helps a lot with the sponsorships. So yeah, I think the Russian national team will definitely be an Olympic gold medal contender and definitely one of the best volleyball teams in the world. At number five, I work back to the club teams here with Perugia, the team that is currently leading the league in the Italian Super League and doing so with the numero uno player in the world who is also on another one of these teams coming up. Wilfredo Leon doing a great job leading that team, doing his usual thing, hitting at a ridiculous efficiency, serving like an ace per set and getting a little better slowly at the reception, getting better at the off-speed balls at the tips at all the other stuff in volleyball. And yeah, I think, I think Perugia, the strongest serving team in the world between Plotnitschke, Atanasevich, and Wilfredo Leon, 3-2, absolutely bombing servers. And maybe if they had their team from last year, I would have had them a little higher, actually. But the downgrade from Luciano De Checo to Dragon Travica is pretty significant, in my opinion. And they've definitely still played really well despite that, because just running mostly high ball offense, they've kind of removed the middle as a huge threat. But again, given how good their wings are, it hasn't really affected them too much, but... Yeah, I think if they had DeCheco on top of this team, they, they'd probably be the number one team on this entire list. At number four, I have another Italian team, Lubeci of Denova, number four team in the world, despite losing 3 nothing last weekend. But, I mean, their team's still ridiculous. The three Cubans, Robert Landy Simon, Osmani Wantarena, and Yoandi Leal, three of the best players in the world at their position. We've already kind of gone over Wantarena, but Simon, I think, is the best middle in the world by a decent margin right now. Even at his, in his 30s where he's not jumping quite as high as he used to, he's still ridiculously athletic. He is a bombing serve this year. I mean, there's really not that many middles that provide you what Robert Landy Simon does with his serve. I mean, he's, he's one of the only middle servers where I'm like seriously threatened every time he goes to the line to serve because he's that good at getting aces. Still really disciplined, talented, smart blocker that can read really well, good leader on the team. And yeah, again, with Lubitschiv to Nova, a couple maybe slightly weak positions with Camille Ricciolicchi, uh, the opposite position that could have been a higher level guy maybe, and also Fabio Belasso. I'm not the biggest fan of him at the libero position. Simone Anzani, Simon, Wantarena, Leal, with DiCeco doing an incredible job at dishing the ball out. To me, honestly, I think he's probably setting 
the offense a little bit better than Bruno was. Maybe Bruno's it better at other things like defense and blocking, but I think that Checo, just from a purely setting perspective, is doing a better job with this Lubi Juventanova team, and and that's why I have them at fourth in this list. Now, top three, who's it gonna be? Do you guys can you guys guess who the last three teams are if you've been keeping count? Well, if not, I'm gonna give one of them to you right now. Number three, I have Zenit Kazan. That's right, another club team at number three. Zenik is on with a ridiculously good team. Maxi Mikhailov, Alexander Butko, Artem Volvich, three of the top level players on the Brazilian or on the Russian national team, joined by Irvin Engapet and Bartosz Bednors. Again, two leading players on very competitive national teams. And this is a team where I do have to give a bit of credit to the coaching to Vladimir Lenkno, one of the best coaches in the sport, as I mentioned recently on a different podcast. But you saw how much worse they were last year without Alegdo leading the helm. I think it's a really well-constructed team. The offense-defensive Bednor's Engapet works really well. The blocking is ridiculous. The serving is really tough. And they're one of the best teams in volleyball for sure. Two national teams left to finish us off. I don't know if you thought there was another club left, but nope. We went over already the top club teams in the world. Top two teams, both national teams in my opinion. And number two, I have Team USA national team. And this national team is all about the starting lineup. The US national team right now, I think, has kind of like the depth of a puddle. But their starting lineup is absolutely ridiculous with Taylor Sander, Aaron Russell, David Smith, Max Holt, Matt Anderson, Micah Christensen, Eric Shoji. So ridiculously stacked team. I, I would say the only player that's not a top 10 player at their positions, probably David Smith and maybe Aaron Russell, although I don't know. Russell's pretty close to a, a top 10 player as well, but they're just so complete out of, out of every position. They have no weaknesses. They've run a really nice, quick offense with a lot of back row attacking. Micah Christensen works magic with the ball. They distribute the ball pretty evenly to all their players. And I feel like if all these players are healthy, which is a big question mark with this team, but if they're all healthy going into the Olympics, they're probably going to win a medal. Again, yeah, the question is health. Because if one key player goes down, I mean, they have Jeffrey Jendrick, who can probably do a decent job replacement in the middle. But other than that, I mean, the next level of guys after their starters just takes a huge dive at every position, especially with Thomas Jaski maybe not uh, being the same post-injury as he was before. But still, best case scenario, they are one of the most talented teams in the world. All of their players playing on extremely high-level club teams and, and often being the leaders of them, so... That's why I have USA at number two, but I mean, number one, I've got to put the Polish national team. I mean, it is just ridiculous how good they are. I mean, Bartosz Bednors, who I, is a big plus for the third team I have ranked on this list, might not even start on the Polish national team with Michal Kubiak and Wilfredo Leon uh, as the two starters if they, if they want to play a bit more of a balanced game. They have ridiculous middle blockers and Piotr Nowakowski and Kohanowski, but I mean, they could also go with Karl Kloch and Matej Bieniak. I mean, like if you have to choose between Novakovsky, Bieniak, and Kowanowski, that's, I mean, all those guys are insanely good middle blockers. Libero, Zatorski is one of the best in the world. And then, of course, you have Bartosz Kurek, the reigning world championship MVP on the right side. Like, this is just a, an absolute dream team of players at every single position. They were already world champions, and they added the best player in the world. Now, the, there's a couple of small knocks on them. They're not perfect because obviously they lost to Slovenia, my 25th ranked team on this list at Eurovolley 2019. So 
there are some weaknesses in this team. They're not an invincible team by any means, but they do have a couple, they will have a couple more years of practice and playing together and chemistry since that 2019 loss. And also, I mean, I'm definitely a little bit of a Bartosz Kurak hater, but I also did watch him for two full seasons absolutely play terribly in Turkey before he turned it on for the Polish national or world championship run in 2018. I think he played out of his mind then, but I think if we're expecting him to play at that level all the time, especially going to be three years older in August of 2021, I think that's unrealistic. So I think Bartosz, I mean, opposite right now, theoretically is a big strength for them, but could also, there's a chance that Bartosz Kurek could become like a below average opposite, at least when you compare it to like the top 15 or so teams on this list. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed that segment, the top 25 teams in volleyball. I could have missed a good team. I don't know. There were a couple teams that were close to making it, I think, like Germany, Bulgaria, Japan, Jastrzebski Vejil, Viva Valencia I had to consider a little bit, Novosibirsk, Monza, Fekil Novi Urengoy. So those are teams that I considered and did I eventually did not put on the list. But if you guys think there was another team that I obviously missed, then I would like to hear it. I also want to shout out David Yu because I remember a couple of podcast or podcasts ago I asked you guys if you could leave a review on the Apple Podcast app because I think most of you are listening on Apple Podcasts by the stats and didn't really have any reviews. So thank you, David Yu, for a very nice review. And if any other guys enjoy listening to the podcast, I would if you could leave a review on Apple iTunes, that would be amazing. If you haven't listened to the podcast I did with Rob St. Clair of the VLA, it's called The Deep Corner. Check that out. Great discussion with him. Also, Volleyball Source, Everett Delarmy did a podcast with him. So if you're a Canadian fan listening to this, and even if you're American and you want to learn about Canadian volleyball, that was a really interesting one to listen to too. Anyway, last podcast of 2020. I hope you guys enjoyed, but I guess a kind of half year of 5-1 volleyball because I didn't really do it during the first half of the year. But hopefully next year, we'll have a great 2021 full of lots of podcasts, lots of videos, and I hope you guys enjoy them and Hopefully there's no more cancellations in our great sport. Enjoy your holidays.